This morning we're going to be in Exodus 33. Uh, We're going to be looking at most of the chapter. And I'm going to tell you guys, I love this chapter. I've actually, secrets, I have given messages on this chapter several times. So I cheated a little bit. But, (laughs) But every time I do, God gives something different. And it has been amazing. And even in studying this chapter for myself this time to speak to you guys, the way he opened up new things to me that were personal to me and what I'm living right now. And so I love this book, but I love this chapter specifically in Exodus. Um, And when I say book, I mean I love the Bible. (laughs) But I love uh, Exodus 33 as well because it has absolutely changed the way I approach God in worship. So, uh, what else? In Exodus 33, we find Moses, he's leading the Israelites through the desert. They have come out of Egypt as slaves. They have uh, freed from slavery. They have gone through the Red Sea, and they are now supposed to be on their way to the promised land. So, that's where we kind of see, but what's happening is the Israelites are, um, they're trying to do things their own way. They're trying to live their own life, and they want God to be with them, but they're not following him. Uh, They want to do whatever they want to do and just have him there. Uh, So what we're going to see is a frustrated father. (laughs) Uh, And what else you need to know before we go into this is that this is before Jesus. This is before the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So his presence wasn't always with his people. He would take it away and he'd bring it to when he needed them. He'd meet with somebody specifically. So not everybody could experience the power of his presence either. So when they would travel, they would set up camp and they'd have a tent. They'd they'd set up called the tent of meeting. And that's where Moses would go and meet with God. So that's where we're at when we jump into Exodus 33. We're going to look at verse 1 through 3 first. The Lord said to Moses, depart. Go up from here, you and the people who I've brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out all of these people and go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." So basically, God tells him, I'm going to bless you. I want you to keep going. I want you to keep going forward. I'm going to give you all the favor. You're going to have everything that you need. But I'm just going to meet you there. Because you guys are so ungrateful. And you're kind of annoying. And if I'm honest, I'm afraid I'm going to kill you if I'm with you. (laughs) So we're going to see Moses going to God on behalf of the people. But I want to take note of the people's reaction to hearing this. In verse 4, he says, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and nobody put on ornaments. So they were visibly upset. They mourned that God's presence would not be with them. So let's jump down to verse 12 through 17. We're going to go back a little bit. I'm going to tell you why, but let's just jump into the narrative here. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this is your people. He said, God said to him, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
So he changes God's mind. But Moses doesn't stop. He keeps going. Y'all ever won an argument and kept going? (laughs) That's what Moses does. He says to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not your going with us? So that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. So it's what makes us distinct. It's what helps us stand out from others. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you've spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. So we see here that Moses argued with God. God said something definitively, and Moses said, wait, wait, wait. No, this isn't what you've said before, and we need to talk about it. So he argues with him, but he doesn't do it to be petty, and he doesn't do it to get his own way. Moses is saying here, your presence is our identity. It doesn't matter if we have the protections and the blessings and the favor, because we are no one without your presence. Because Moses knew the priority and the importance of God's presence. So I wanted you guys to see that narrative that happens there, but somewhere in the middle of that narrative, around verse 8, because I know exactly, <laughs> uh, God kind of, or the writer kind of in, interjects and says, this is how the Israelites worshipped normally. And so I wanted us to see the narrative, and then now I want us to go back and look at the normal habits of the people of God. So verse 8 says, Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses had entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. So this pillar of cloud comes down and stands literally at the tent door. It is a physical separation of the Israelite people and God's presence. When all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. So even though they couldn't be in his presence and they couldn't experience him because of the barriers at the time between the people and God's presence, they were still so moved by his presence that they would stand in their door. They would move out of their comfort and they would stand in their door and they would worship. Verse 11 says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So if you don't know, Joshua was the next leader of the people. And he is the one who led them into the promised land. So he is the one who fulfilled that promise, that God fulfilled the promise through him. So here we see three levels of people. The first one, we have the Israelites, who are unable to experience the presence of God, but are still so moved that they continue to worship him. The second one we have is Joshua, who is leadership in training and doesn't know what his path looks like, doesn't know what's next, but he is able to go in, but he doesn't get to speak with God, but he gets to experience the presence. And he didn't want to leave the meeting place because the presence of God was so good. Then we have Moses. And God talked to Moses like he talked to a friend. When I read this passage for the first time years ago, I thought, why don't I get excited like this? Why am I not so moved by the idea of being in the presence of God? I think a lot of times we're at those three places. 
We're trying to get to the big calling in our life. We think the big calling is behind us. Or we think maybe we're not called to those big things. Well, God has a specific calling for every single one of us. But the thing that we need to realize first is that sometimes we're stuck in this moment like the Israelites because the first calling of every single Bible-believing Christian is to relationship with the Heavenly Father. So we can't get sucked in by the notion that I'm not Moses or I'm not Joshua or I'm not Pastor Dexter. I'm not working in ministry. I don't have that kind of calling. So that relationship's not for me. We can't get sucked into that idea. Because the purpose of the entire Bible is relationship with God. From cover to cover, from the day you're born until until eternity. Beyond our entire life, the entire point is relationship with God. So God wants to talk to us like he did Moses. He wants us to sit in his presence like Joshua did. But too often we get stuck in the doorways like the Israelites, on the edge of his presence, content to compartmentalize his presence to the meeting place on Sunday mornings. Here's the thing, though. The Israelites didn't have a choice. They weren't allowed in the presence of God. But we have a choice because God didn't send Jesus just to get us into heaven. He sent Jesus to radically repair the relationship between God and man, which means that when we do that, myself included, when we choose to confine God's presence to this building, we choose not to make his presence a priority, and we choose not to have his power working in our lives. And life's busy. We got kids. I don't. Y'all do. (laughs) Jobs, spouses, houses to clean, lawns to mow. We got all sorts of things going on in our life, pulling our attention in a thousand different directions. But let's put it in perspective. If this was your spouse, if this was your kids, if this was your parents, if this was anybody important in your life, and they were constantly telling you, hey, I love you, I love you, but I'm busy, or I'm just, I'm just exhausted. There's just a lot going on. And it's understandable, sure. But would that be okay if they never spent time with us? That kind of thinking and behavior destroys marriages. It causes major rifts in families. And it ends friendships. So I question why we settle for that in our relationship with God. Because this is the most important relationship that we will have for all of eternity. So Pastor Dexter doesn't urge us to get into our word or spend time in worship because he wants us to be well-read. He tells us to spend time in God's extravagant extravagant presence because it is absolutely and radically life-changing. The biggest consequence of no relationship with God, just going to let you know, it's that you miss out. When I don't have a relationship with God, I'm missing out. You miss out on knowing his love and goodness. And I don't mean head knowledge. I mean the incredible peace and security in your life that comes from knowing God with your entire being. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. We live in a culture that says, oh, I can do whatever I want and Jesus is still gonna love me. It's true, he will, he'll love you. But there's no relationship in that. You can't find Jesus by living that sort of selfish life. You have to find him by putting your whole heart into him. 
We spent so much time anchoring our lives in things that we think are essential or they're just not bad, but they are inferior to God's presence. But I'm going to let you in on a secret. Our enemy does not need evil to keep us off track or out of relationship. He only needs mediocrity. God wants his people every day. He wants to be with us every day. He, want, he is pursuing us all day long in every good moment and in every struggle. Hebrews four fifteen through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weakness. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. There is no relationship like this. So I'm going to give you three quick points for experiencing God's presence. The first one is surrender daily. And I'm just going to give you the references. I'm going to read them, so feel free to write them down. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing is a continual process. Every day we have to give it to God. I used to do youth ministry for a long time, and one of them, if I brought any given one of them, to this stage right now and said, what's the number one analogy I use? They would tell you this. We are sponges. And whatever we fill ourselves up with, when pressure is applied, that's what's going to come out. So we need to put the word of God in us when we don't need it. So it will be there when we do need it. Number two, sacrifice out of your need. I'm going to give you a few here. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glories in Christ Jesus. Psalm 55.22. Cast your burden on the Lord for he will sustain you. 2 Corinthians 12.9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. I don't know about you guys, but just reading those scriptures gets me fired up and makes me feel a little more secure in life knowing that he is there. In times when we need God most, we often rationalize why we don't have the time or energy for him. So sacrifice the time and sacrifice the energy because, again, it's radically life-changing. The third one is seek expectantly. I've given you a few scriptures about drawing near to God, um, but the overwhelming promise of the Bible is that if you seek him, you're going to find him. So you need to go into it believing that God is going to give you something. Acts 17, 27 through 28 says they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's not actually far from each one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. So again, Moses talked about it being central to our identity. And here's Paul talking about it being central to our identity as well. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Uh, I don't know if y'all felt like that was short, but somebody once told me, blessed are the short-winded for they're invited back. So so I'm inviting the worship team up. uh, And in a few minutes, they're going to lead us in some songs so that we can enter into the presence of God for just a few moments. You know, one of the reasons that we have a worship team is to lead us into the presence. A lot of times we come into service and... We carry a lot of baggage from the week or from the day even, just from the morning, or sometimes just from life, because that's how it is sometimes. Uh, Those few songs are supposed to help us press in. They're supposed to help us shake all of that off and help us reconnect with God. 
but I wonder what would our services look like if we came in already connected, already ready, saying, I don't need a song to get me going because I fought for this connection all week. What would happen if we operated like Moses saying, Lord, the going and the doing and the responsibilities, man, they're important, but they're not you. And they don't mean anything without your presence. You can go ahead and bring them down, Miss Julie. What would happen if we were like Joshua and said, Lord, I need to get back to the people you called me to, my kids, my spouse, my coworkers, but just a few minutes more. I could give you tips on how to make God's presence convenient in your life, but I'm going to challenge you, don't do that. Don't limit the power of his extravagant presence in your life. Don't make God convenient. Make him essential. Make him central. Make him priority. So over the next few minutes, we're going to enter into worship. And I'm going to challenge you this morning. So I challenged you for your life, but I'm going to challenge you this morning to take these few minutes and say, I'm going to press in and I'm going to enter the presence now, but this is Sunday and I'm going to start my week this way. And for the next seven days, I'm going to prioritize the presence of God in my life because that's what he wants from us. He just wants to be with us. Everything else flows out of that. So let's press in. I'm going to pray and they're going to, they're going to lead us in worship. You can stand, stand with me. Father, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for loving us, for breaking the barrier of the presence, Father, and allowing us to be in a place, in a time where we get to seek you freely, where we get to be in this presence as often as we want to, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into these moments, we would reconnect with you and say, God, I'm not going to lose it anymore. In these next seven days, I'm going to commit to you. Tomorrow, I'm going to commit to you. And I'm going to enter into your presence. In Jesus' name.